What's up, everybody? Dr. Pennell here at Element Health and Wellness here in Uptown Dallas, bringing you the newest episode of the First Five Podcast. Today, we've got a special guest all geared around finances, Josh Gaber of Apto Advisory. They are a tax accounting practice. They focus on tax, small business, and personal finance. Welcome to the show, Josh. Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you having me on. We're happy to run it back on the Entrepreneur's Edge podcast. We had Josh come on and talk to us a little bit about, as we mentioned, personal finances, the small business side, things to look out for in regards to your day-to-day life. So give us a little background on you specifically, why you got into accounting and, and why you decided to become a CPA. Sure. Uh, so I uh, got into public accounting uh, probably about five years ago and um it was not where I originally started. Uh, I was, you know, a finance major, marketing major, but I've always had the interest in uh, in math and numbers. Um, and so I eventually made my way back to uh, going to night school, getting my master's degree and sitting for the CPA exams. And I uh, was in uh, with a bigger firm uh, in St. Louis for about uh, three years. And then since then, I've decided to go out on my own and uh, open up my own small practice. And I've been doing that for uh, almost two years now. Awesome. What were a couple of the differences that you noticed just right off the bat in regards to going from a public accounting firm to starting your own shop? Some of the things that we're talking about, you know, for, uh, for our audience, I'm sure you've had to experience even for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say that, uh, for a lot of the reasons why I decided to go at it on my own uh, is the same as other small business, you know, entrepreneurs. It's it's the ability to, um, you know, make your own decisions that are going to affect the bottom line, uh, being able to control costs or, um, you know, someone just, I, I enjoy being able to um, be the head, the head honcho, if you will, you know, be able to, um, you know, make more money. There's more opportunity there, uh, and really have I feel like a better hold on everything about the business rather than just being uh, a cog in a bigger machine. Yeah, that's a that's a great point and one that I feel like we we touch on with uh, with a number of other individuals. I recently was on a, a podcast with a physical therapist, and he mentioned something similar. He said that when he was practicing in a bigger firm that was just not necessarily churn and burn, but they saw a lot of patients come through that he's like, at one point, it was hard for him to feel like he wanted to further himself and learn more and put more into patient care and all of that stuff, uh, mainly because it didn't seem to matter what his decisions were because it, it was all handled on a, on a corporate level. Do you, do you feel like that affected you a little bit as well? Sure. I mean, uh, when you're lower, I guess, on the totem pole, you've got more you know, managers or partners to answer to, uh, who have more of a say. And certainly over time, as you rise in the, the firm, you have a little bit more pull, uh, but still you're, you're a partner. And so you're having to share those decisions uh, with multiple people within the practice. Uh, and uh, that is part of it is, um, you know, in, in the bigger practices, it's a lot of churn and burn, you know, people get worn out uh, in, in public 
accounting. Uh, and I wanted to be able to work in uh, or work on my own terms and be able to establish relationships with clients and be able to establish a good work-life balance for myself. Uh, you know, I'm a hard worker, but I also want to be able to make sure that uh, my family is well uh, attended to. And I feel like sometimes uh, if you're just a, a piece of the puzzle within a, a bigger practice, um, depending on who you work for, sometimes it's just, you know, not as uh, well received. No doubt. It, it definitely seems like when when people are able to do their own thing, if time is a value, if family is a value, when you can set set some time limits for yourself or maybe set certain hours so that you can be at kids, you know, sporting events or just be around for family dinners and things like that, um, I'm sure that it makes family life a little bit better or at least you're you're feeling more involved than if you are running those late hours and whatnot. Do you feel like to some degree you have to do what you have to do, though, at the beginning? Like if you need to, to work those extra hours, if you need to make enough money to then support your small business to break out on your own, you know, what are your general thoughts? Because we have a lot of, of chiropractors and, and other business professionals that are starting maybe as an associate with somebody else or as an independent contractor that want to own their own business. And I know there was some transition time for you as well. Um, you know, at, do you think it's better just to, to cut ties and jump ship? Or is it, hey, let's let's create some financial support, uh, some back end before we make the jump? Well, I mean, it all depends on everyone's uh, situation. I mean, first and foremost, if you're going out on your own, um, you know, while, yes, I speak of work-life balance, uh, if you start off with the wrong mentality to say that uh, this allows me to uh, because I'm my own boss, I can work whenever I want. I don't have to work as much. That's that's the wrong mentality. You're probably going to work even more uh, than you would have if you had worked for someone else. Because in the end, it comes down to you. Now, even if you have employees that are working for you, they're helping along. But there's a lot of back end things that you'll be doing that you weren't doing before. So you have to make sure that you've got the right mentality coming in and be prepared to put in the long hours in order to build a successful uh, business. Um, so that's, that's the start as far as cutting ties from one thing to the next. I mean, you have to be careful if you're, if you're going from, uh, some, from a business that you're working for, uh, and essentially becoming a competitor. Um, there's always the things to consider like non-compete agreements and, um, you know, make sure that you're not infringing upon, uh, any kind of, um, you know, rules, uh, with your previous employer, employer, um, but otherwise, I mean, you take what you learn and, uh, if possible, um, you know, you're able to cut ties and go right into it. Um, other times, you know, if it's, if you're able to, you know, maybe uh, your small business starts as just kind of a side gig, uh, where you're able to fit, you know, time in, um, you know, in the evenings or on the weekends and build something small. And eventually that becomes your full-time gig. Um, it just, it really depends on what you're, what you're able to do. And there's pros and cons to either one. I mean, if you, if you cut ties, uh, then it's all on you and you're probably even more motivated. Um, if, if you don't, and you kind of gradually work yourself into it, um, there's less time to work on that small business. Uh, but it, you also have some time and you can grow into it. Uh, for me personally, it was kind of, it's been a, a gradual thing. Um, and so it's, uh, it's tough, but 
part of my um, background in that and the reason for it is because I have a a large young family. I mean, I've got four kids and my wife to to support. And so you have to make sure that you're able to still maintain uh, a household here. And it's tough and scary to go out on your own and cut ties and not know how much money you're going to bring in. So it's just, it's, it's, it, it's unique for every individual for sure. Great answer. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Uh, it's, it's difficult for us to, you know, to, uh, to forecast what somebody else is going through in regards to, like you said, their own personal life, their own finances, what support they have. So it is very different if you're a single adult versus a, a family of four and, and, or you know, of six, I guess, with the four kids and everybody, like there's a lot going on. And so, yeah, a hundred percent. When you talked about, um, let's see, going back to just the non-competes and things like that. If somebody were to utilize you for the financial side of things, do you then have people that you refer with to hey, Like if, if there's a question in regards to law, here's a good, you know, business attorney and things like that. Um, talk to me about just that process. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's and that comes along with building a small business. I, I know, you know, it's about building your network and being able to surround yourself with people that you trust in other areas, uh, because not only are you then able to refer your clients to them, perhaps vice versa, they're able to refer clients to you. So uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, I work with other attorneys, financial advisors. Um, you know, I, I, I do some small uh, business bookkeeping, but if they're they're bigger projects. There's uh, a bookkeeping business uh, here in the area that I like to work with. Uh, that they've been they're a very successful uh, business that have been around for a number of years. Um, and and to be honest, there's also uh, probably the need for some overlap in all those areas because there you'll you'll be able to figure out that there are some clients that might work well with one advisor, and then there are other clients that work well with another advisor. It has to do with uh, personalities and being able to know those people you surround yourself with and be able to match them up well so that it's successful for all parties involved. Love it. I know one of the advantages in healthcare is that when a patient comes in, like, hey, if, if this isn't the spot for you, we can figure out what is going to be the best fit so that you don't get lost in the noise and, and just go from, from place to place. And so I would assume that based on your answer, like that's an important you know aspect of somebody working with Apto Advisory and working with Josh Gaber is that, hey, we're going to figure out the pieces that are going to make the most sense to, to figure out your problem. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to ever have to worry about fitting a square peg in a round hole. I mean, you, you want to make sure that you find the right fit for people. And, you know, there've been plenty of times where, you know, I've come across a client and at first we think that we might be a good fit and for whatever reason it may not work out. And I'm no matter what, even if it doesn't work out, my client's best interests are, you know, what I'm focused on. And so I'll be perfectly honest and uh, upfront with them that, hey, I don't think that this is going to work out, but I, I might have someone else in mind that can help you. And, um, you know, when it comes to, like I said, advisors, I, I might give a couple options to that client and say, hey, you know, there's, there's no pressure here. Um, they're all colleagues of mine. Um, it may be up to you to kind of, uh, talk with them and meet with them and see what works for you. Um, because maybe I don't have a, a good understanding of what you're looking for, but you know, everyone knows themselves, hopefully better, you know, the best. And so, um, 
you meet with a, a couple different advisors and find out who the best match is for you. No, so, that, yeah, absolutely. That's perfect. Now, when somebody is going to reach out to Josh Gaber and Apto Advisory, what is going to be the first way, you know, that, that they interact? Is it send a message online? Is it reach out to uh, to the website? You know, how, how do people initiate that contact if it's maybe not necessarily a third-party connection? Yeah, I mean, directly reaching out to me, they can, they can call, um, they can email, uh, send a message on Facebook. Uh, there's contact information on our website, uh, aptoadvisory.com. Uh, but a, a simple, you know, reach out, whether it's phone call or email or, or text, uh, the number, our number is also, we can receive texts, but um, it's just, it's, hey, you know, I need some help. And then uh, we can go from there, figure out what the needs are and how we can help and lay out a plan. Um, I mean, as far as, you know, if we're talking personal finance help, it's then setting up something where identify what, uh, what a person's looking for, what their goals are. And then from there, it's um, providing me with the, uh, a list, of, uh, essentially like a, a, a personal financial statement, you know, one, needing to know assets and liabilities, income and expenses, um, sometimes uh, what your non-negotiables are. If we're going to try and work on creating a spending plan, what are some of the things that you just can't live without uh, and we can't work out of, you know, your spending plan? Okay, well, then we'll work around those things. But it's, it's figuring out uh, the priorities um, and then going from there. I mean, it, it, honestly, what it all comes down to is communication. That's the biggest key is communicating. If, if you're working with me, I will communicate with you as best I can. But I expect the same in return because the quality of a plan that's put together is all dependent on open communication. Yeah, no doubt. Well, and the reason, guys, that I wanted to bring Josh onto the show is because he helped me realize some issues with my own personal finances. I knew there were some problems. I've spoken about it on the show before. I've spoken about it in social media posts. And, you know, so that was uh, was a big thing for me. And I think having somebody third party that you can lean on to help you understand maybe areas in your life that, uh, that you're missing on uh, – budgeting what what that looks like from a day-to-day a week-to-week a month-to-month because a lot of times in the back of our heads we know there's something wrong we know that we shouldn't be spending on this uh, but sometimes somebody's sitting down with you and like look you really have to cut this out because of x y and z or hey maybe less here more there whatever uh, it, it takes the third party and and um, you know just to rewind a little bit when my wife and I were very first starting to go down the road of financial planning, I guess, if you will, for the two of us, that was a a bit of a challenge. And so definitely having a third party to lean on for some of the discrepancies that maybe I thought versus she thought and combining that to get on the same page was was extremely important. So I guess since we're since I brought it up here, just in regards to like the significant other, how do you feel like you know, couples should operate their finances. Is there one specific way? Does it depend on a lot of different things? I don't know the answer to that. And I definitely want to lean on you for your expertise there. Well, if you're going to learn one thing uh, from this conversation and talking with CPAs, the go-to answer is it depends. Uh, there, there really isn't any right answer. Um, it really comes down to finding out what works uh, because like I said, you need to know yourself and you need to know then your partner. Um, and it really starts with 
open and honest conversations. Um, I mean, if you're just getting started out, like, you, you know, if it's just uh, like uh, boyfriend and girlfriend that are trying, you know, might be living together and looking to share expenses. I mean, again, it's figuring something out, but I would say perhaps you're not sharing a bank account, but perhaps you're sharing the expenses evenly. Um, you know, if you're newlyweds, uh, again, that's going to, that's, before you get married, you need to have that open and honest conversation um, and be honest about finances. Don't come to uh, the relationship hiding any debts that the other person doesn't know about because that's only going to complicate things down the road. Um, but, you know, personally, uh, my wife and I, we each have our own account and we have a joint account. And the, really the purpose of the individual accounts isn't necessarily to hide any money, but a little a portion of our paychecks. Uh, a small portion goes into our individual accounts basically to say that that's our that's our money to spend however we want you know and the rest of the money goes into the joint account and that's how bills are paid but that way you know whether it's buying a gift for the other person or you know what um, I want to take the kids and let's get fast food out this weekend and it's not in the budget, but I'm going to use, you know, my money from the bank account for my bank account. That's how I want to spend it. It's, it's essentially no questions asked in your own account, but the majority of it goes into a joint account. Um, I know that there are some people that the, the spouses, they have their own separate accounts. Uh, they want, they pay their own expenses or they, they share and even, you know, evenly split the cost for, uh, like joint utilities or so forth. It really comes down to just communication and making sure that it works for one another. Uh, because uh, if you're not open with each other up front, um, it, you know, I sound like a, a, a family counselor, but if you're not open with each other up front, then it's just going to lead to more complications down the road. And sometimes you probably are a family counselor when it comes to the financial side. <laughs> I mean, that's a, it's a tough conversation and, and maybe a like who's right scenario. And, and so I'm sure it is tough for you to take a look at it and, and break it down. But the good thing is you have a neutral party that has no interest in, in either side. It's just, hey, what, what do I think is right based on this spe- you know specific situation? And I bring up the uh, the boyfriend, girlfriend, you know significant other, newlyweds, whatever, uh, mainly because I know that a lot of us went through that either at some point during chiropractic school or maybe right after school. Um, and yeah, it can be a big deal to transition into that joint account type scenario or paying down debt, uh, especially as you come out of school with student loans. And that's not just specific to chiropractic school. That can be law school. That can be just undergrad. Uh, can be car payments. There's there's a lot of different things. And, and I know from experience that sometimes combining those finances, especially if you've got one person that has a, a solid you know, salary job or is further along in their career and somebody's starting out their end of the business, it can be extremely beneficial to really help each other out versus as one person is struggling and, and taking on debt while the other is essentially fine, whatever that may be. It just, you're right. It, it's very specific to, uh, to each group in person, but great to have a third party. So Josh, why don't, uh, why don't you tell me you know, we talked a little bit, I guess, about why accounting, but if there's anything more in depth as to why you be, you know, wanted to become CPA and just how you started to catch the, the niche for small business, for personal finances, for that budgeting side of things. 
Sure. I mean, I've always enjoyed numbers. I've always been really good at math and I'm a very organized person. So I feel like that that works really well for accounting for a CPA. Um, I mean, CPA, you're you're a licensed professional. uh, And so you're looked at as a go to for people. um, And honestly, when it came down to, you know, when it comes to budgeting and personal financial planning and so forth or coaching, I mean, that just seemed like a natural focus or niche because like I said, I've got a family of four, of four children. Um, you know, it's a young family. We started out having kids young. It was, it's always been necessary to plan and to come up with, uh, whether, whatever you want to call it, a budget, a spending plan, whatever. Um, you know, we're trying to balance, uh, income, the, always increasing expenses for our kids, uh, you know, household expenses, planning ahead for retirement for ourselves, trying to put money away for education for the kids, um, you know, so on and so forth. The the list will be endless. Um, And so it just seemed like a necessary transition for me uh, or, you know, a necessary thing for me to do for myself. And so I've had experience with it and it seems to continue to progress, but it's, it's working for us. And I think it's good information to share with others. And I think that others can benefit from my experience and uh, from the work that I've done with others as well. Uh, because in the end, everyone's situation is unique, yes. But in general, we're all dealing with the same thing. We're all dealing with money. Uh, some have more zeros at the end of their, of their dollars than, than others, but we're all dealing dealing with money. We're all dealing with expenses. Um, some are just higher than others, but uh, we all struggle. And so, the more knowledge that we all have, and the more that I can share with others, and they can share with me, uh, you know, the saying goes that uh, rising tides lift all ships. I, mean, I I believe in that. That if we can help one another, you know, we'll all be better off at the in the end. That's perfect. And so for you students. I mean, who better, you know, to lean on than somebody who is humble in regards to sharing that experience? And at least for me, when I'm talking finances, that's it was a difficult thing to kind of come out of the shell and be able to discuss the the good and the bad and and get into all of those, you know, things that may not be as comfortable to talk about on on a day to day basis with people. So, you know, having somebody that you can trust and that is willing to be open and honest with you is is really, really important when you're starting a new business because it, it can leave you in a fragile state sometimes for sure. So Josh, why do you feel like it's important to start out business with a financial plan? Um, how do you even come up with a financial plan You know, when you're starting out and you don't know much? You don't know much about finances. You don't exactly know from a projection standpoint how well your business will, will do. You're just trying to get out and grind and build. And I know that I ran into a little of that you know, issue, especially coming out and, and starting, I thought there'd be more money faster and it didn't necessarily happen. So what do you tell people in, in that same situation? Well, you tell me how you planned on, on revenue. How did you project that out for yourself? Well, to be honest, I, I didn't really do a whole lot of projecting at all, you know, and that's, I think, number one, that was a big problem to have. I really just thought that as I started business, right, as I was building and growing and talking online and doing all the stuff that you know, you just you'd see the gradual increase and that gradual increase happened, but not to the degree of being able to pay the bills as fast as possible. And then it started, you know, 
credit card to help pay rent and do all those things. And I just feel like for a lot of students that don't have much business background, their parents weren't big into the business side, it's difficult to understand that planning process. And so I don't, you know, maybe even just share what you would suggest in that case of somebody coming out and and just trying to at least get uh, get started on the right foot. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, the most conservative approach and no one goes into business to not make money, but assume that you're not going to make any revenue. So how do you lose the least amount of money? It's controlling your cost. And I would say that try and get as much cost certainty as possible. Um, from there, it's, you know, I'm not saying you don't always choose the cheapest option. Certainly not. But what is the best return that you can get? And I would say that, you know, rather than paying for Google ads or Facebook ads or, I mean, whatever, something along those lines, uh, I know, you know, you put in a lot of work, you know, a lot of like just pounding the pavement, going around and getting your name out. Uh, A lot can come from just word of mouth and impressing, you know, giving good impressions uh, of yourself to others uh, can go a lot longer way and it doesn't really cost you anything. It costs you time, sure, but it doesn't cost you money. Um, and if you don't have the revenue coming in, well, then you need to be filling up that time by trying to create that revenue and create that buzz. Um, so, I mean, when it comes to utilities, um, you know, like phones or whatever, you try, you might try and find just, you know, one of the more lesser expensive options. It, it, it can be much more motivating uh, for you to try and drum up business um, or, you know, you're, you're going to be more creative, I would say, in trying to cut, to drum up business and not have to do that with uh, as many costs weighing you down, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I mean, ultimately, when it, when it comes to, you know, how do you come up with a plan? Uh, I mean, or even why? Like, why would you even go with a plan rather than just figuring it out as you go? Even if it's just something basic, something, you know, some kind of small budget, um, you know, you're going to do your best by being as informed as possible, you know, laying out that budget for expenses, figuring out what your rent's going to be, insurance, uh, utilities. Are, are you going to have an employer or is it just you, you know? And for me, at that point, I would also say reach out to a professional. I mean, reach out to a CPA, reach out to an attorney. Um, you know, early on in your career, you may have friends that are early on in their career as well. And they may be able to help you out or at least give you some advice, point you in the right direction. Um, and you know, they're early on in their career too. So they're probably not able to charge as high of fees as, you know, more experienced people, but they might be able to have access to the information that you're seeking. Uh, so that may be helpful. Uh, but even if you set up a plan, it doesn't mean that it's set in stone. I mean, you're still going to be adjusting it as time goes on. So rather than have no plan and just fly by the seat of your pants and just see what comes up, at least have something, have something to guide you. And after, you know, the first month, well, okay, I missed my mark. These are, these are not my expenses you know, I I'm too low and my expenses are much higher. Well, could they be lower or is it realistic that, or was your plan unrealistic? And then you adjust. I mean, honestly, there are, The two things that are going to affect the money coming in is you can either make more revenue 
or you can drive down costs and costs can only get cut to a certain degree. So it still is going to bring you back to the point where how do you drive more revenue? Yeah. Yeah. Many, many good points there. And I mean, I do remember that first year in practice and I kind of lived the first six months just doing, I guess, kind of whatever I wanted, really, like not paying a whole lot of attention to those things. And then as as time went on and some of the money did get put onto credit cards and, and the income was not necessarily where I thought it might be at that point in time, then I really did have to start looking at the budget and the costs of everything and like, all right, well, what do I pay for on a monthly basis that I can stop paying for? And maybe I need to, that was actually when I started increasing my personal training because at the time I worked with title boxing and so it did bring me a little extra income, but then it was, all right, I need to have, you know, five more hours of personal training a week in order to cover the monthly bills for these different things. And um, down the road, then I ended up working with Logan University, which got me a little bit of like salaried money every couple of weeks. I knew it was coming in and that helped too, as you're growing a business. Um, it wasn't just because of the money. It was because I really wanted to help and teach, but that was a nice you know, added feature to it, especially as an independent contractor when you're making as much as you know, you're able to do on a day-to-day seeing patients. You know, when I chatted with, uh, with a buddy, Jacob Godar, a few podcasts back, he had mentioned something very similar to what you just said, Josh, and, and he phrased it as, you know, choose the cheapest options that have the biggest ROI. And essentially that was what you were meaning I think a great example is like if you can take a client, if I'm trying to meet Josh and grow a relationship, I could either take him to a Cardinals game where I have to pay for the tickets and the beers and all the stuff like that that maybe a few hundred dollars, or maybe I could take him to a lunch or a coffee that's maybe 10 bucks or 15 bucks or $50. You know, we're, we're talking very different. Yeah, there's a, a different level of fun involved, but Maybe that's not where you're at. And I definitely made those mistakes from time to time as well. So take that into consideration. You can get pretty in-depth and get to know someone very well over coffee or lunch uh, and save on time also for both you and the person you're trying to get to meet, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, in that example, I would say that there's more of a wow factor taking someone to a professional sporting event. But how much are you – what's the quality of conversation? You're not – you're – the idea of the of the outing is for you is not necessarily just to impress. It's more to build a relationship and, and, and give an impression of yourself, not of what you're bringing them to. And so and, and like and it's a matter of cost to you. It's a matter of time spent for you, because if you're doing that, depending on where you are, if you're coming out of school, OK, you don't maybe have as many commitments after work. But if you're young and you've got a, a small family, you're taking time away from your family to go do that. So is that a, is that the best use of your time? Um, you know, versus uh, a coffee or a lunch or something where it's minimal uh, financial investment, it's minimal time investment, but it could be a much better quality conversation with that person. Yep. I love it. And you could definitely get, like you said, quality conversation, better ROI out of that in-depth. How can I help you? How can you help me mutually? So that's perfect. Do you have a specific success story involving financial planning, personal finances, or just something that you see has worked well for people? Um, I mean, I've, I've worked with uh, a family not too different from, uh, you know, my own specific situation where it's a small, young family. Um, they, they had some student debt, um, 
but you know, not, not a huge amount, um, you know, dual income, but, uh, you know, one larger than the other. Um, but ultimately it came down to just, okay, what were their goals? And so we talked about their goals because everyone can say that they either want to make more money or they want to put money away, but you got to have purpose for that money. Um, you know, yeah, we want to put money away. Well, for who, for you, for your kids, um, for when, you know, is it, is it money for, uh, a big vacation you want to take five years from now? Is it for retirement when you're done working? And when are you, when do you want to be done working? You know, it's all those kinds of conversations. Um, but ultimately once we figured out what the purpose was and figured out, um, you know, taking a look at their expenses and figuring out what were quote unquote necessary expenses or, um, you know, certainly establishing wants versus needs, uh, you figure out that there, there's this extra money that's sitting there. Uh, and that's not always the case for other, for everyone, but in this case, uh, you know, there's, there's extra money. And so you start making that money do work for you. You know, you, you're putting it away either in savings or you're investing it. Um, you know, we were able to help, I was able to help them put away money for retirement, um, putting money away in a 529 plan for saving for education for their kids, um, investing a little, I mean, uh, they're still early on in their lives. And so more is, uh, you know, more, uh, focus is being put on retirement and education for their kids. But certainly you hope to get to the point where your money is working for you and you're not having to do as much work. And so that's where investment comes in. Um, and then the biggest thing, and I think, uh, a big takeaway for your listeners, um, of small businesses is emergency fund. I mean, having to put money away because, um, you know, look at 2020 and all the unknowns that have uh, occurred and uh, you don't know how that's going to affect your business, which then in turn is how it, how it affects, you know, your personal life. And if you don't have income coming in and you don't have an emergency fund to help, um, you know, stave off that those slow times, then uh, then we're having a completely different conversation. Speaking on emergency fund, because I, I definitely agree. And we've gone through that process ourselves of trying to figure out maybe what amount that emergency fund should be, but also, you know, building it up, having it there. Do you have a specific amount? Like I know people such as Dave Ramsey talk, you know, a, a specific dollar amount that then you build off of. Do you feel like it's more specific to each household and income? Like what, what is your general thought on that? I mean, it's certainly going to be specific to your household. I mean, a lot of people say three months, um, or six months worth of, of expenses. Um, but I would say, especially more so for someone that's self-employed, um, you're going to probably want to go more towards, uh, I, like set your goal, you know, start with three. Okay. You've hit three, go on to six. The end game, I would say a year. I mean, I, I would hope that I could get a year's worth of, uh, of expenses saved up and just set it aside. And that's not, that's not investing it. That's, either putting it in a, a high yield savings account, which in today's world still doesn't really yield you very much, but you want it secure that you're not, if something were to go wrong, that money's there for you. Um, and really when it comes down to it, no, none of us plan to be out of work for three months, six months, a year, but this year itself has presented its challenges and probably pushed a lot of people to, uh, the brink and it could be the difference between, um, closing up shop temporarily and closing up shop permanently. And 
really that's just more so for keeping your your personal life afloat you know um because yeah we're in the business you're in the business to make money but you're in the business to still you know stay alive personally so um if you can't stay alive personally uh then you're not even going to be able to devote the time to keeping the business alive too yeah very true now you know when when ramsey talks about the setting aside some money he starts with and this is why i I feel for those newer students that especially aren't making uh, enough money to maybe cover expenses to then, you know, be paying debt and still have money to put aside to then build up three months worth. You know, Ramsey talks about putting a thousand dollars aside to start with, making sure you just have that and then starting to pay debt with everything that's extra after that point. Do you agree with that? Do you feel like that changes again? I mean, I I know it's specific, but I, I personally do like that for the fact that then you're putting more money towards paying down debt i guess there's really two ways to look at it though you know are you are you wanting to pay down debt are you wanting to have that money lumped aside because the two different you know mindsets then are what's the money doing you know the three month salary or whatever that's sitting aside if you've got all this debt because then like that money's not technically yours either i I don't know i go back and forth on that one i don't think that those the, the the treatment there is mutually exclusive where you're either only paying down debt or only saving money. Um, I think it's giving priority to setting a priority and saying, okay, well, maybe out of the extra money, hopefully that I have at the end of the day, perhaps maybe two thirds of it, or I, I don't know, okay. it's, it's working yeah. with someone or working yeah. with yourself to figure out what that, that breakdown is, okay. but say a portion of it goes towards debt and a portion of it is still savings because if something were to happen where, okay, you're not working, that debt's not going away. You're still going to have to be paying down that debt. Uh, so yeah, sure. Pay it down. Uh, and you work on paying it down, but if you've not been putting any of the money away in savings and something happens, cool, you've paid down debt, but you still, if you haven't paid it all off, you still have the debt and now you have no money to live off of, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I, it would still, I think be helpful to have something there. And if anything, that's creating good habits. Yep. You know, even if it's a dollar a day. Yep. I mean, it, it's not any, it, you know, it seems like it, it's nothing, but it's something. And you can always build on that, yep. you know, or make it, you know, 10 bucks a week or something. It's something and you're creating a good habit that you can only, you can hopefully only build on from there. Okay. No, that, that's really good. And I guess that would also depend on probably each individual self-discipline towards finances also, what they're going to be able to put aside and what they can afford to put aside and then also physically doing it so that they're not pulling money from it. In that case, if you're setting an emergency fund aside um, or you're you know putting a portion aside to savings, one thing that I've considered is I have a like totally separate bank account. Now, both my wife and I have access to it, but one that's not as easily accessible. You can go to the bank, you can pull the money out, but we don't have a debit card to it on purpose. And do you feel like that's a better option than, you know, for somebody to put aside that savings money just so that they don't have as easy of access to it versus physically being able to switch from bank account to bank account or back and forth? Yeah, absolutely. I I think that that comes down to the point that I was making, like, know yourself, because if you know yourself and you know that you might have a little bit of trouble with self-discipline there, Make it hard for yourself to get that money. You know, if 
you know, there are a lot of people that will do the essentially like the rounding up feature if their bank offers it where you make you, you pay an expense and um, it rounds up to the next dollar or something and it puts it into that account. Is If it's going to an account that it's hard to touch, you know, it, you can't just easily transfer that money. Great. Then you've made it a little bit harder for yourself. It's something that's automated, that it's always going to be putting that money there. Um, I mean, that, that I think is a great step in knowing the kind of person that you are and how you operate and setting up, setting yourself up for success. It's hard, but you've taken steps there to, to be successful down the road. Love it. And there's absolutely something empowering that as you start to put money aside or as you're paying down debt and you have more money to, to have options with and to make better decisions, there's absolute empowerment there. So like preaching patience, I guess, also through this process, because it, it is difficult to, you know, if, if you want to take a trip and you can't because you don't have enough finances right now, like the patience in order to hey, we, we got to wait on this. Uh, even though we're getting anxiety, we want to jump up and take a trip. It's like you have to save. How, is that just something that you have to practice in regards to having the patience? Some people just flat out have it right off the bat and they can put their foot down as like, nope, we don't have the finest. Others like, dude, we have to do it. you know. And and uh, I, I'll admit we've struggled with that at times. Sometimes we're really good like, no, 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 it's not in the budget or whatever. And the other times, oh, we really want to do it. Man, I don't know. That's tough. Yeah, I mean, it's you're right. It's different for everyone. Some people, it just comes more naturally. Others, it's it's more of a struggle. And either it's something that you kind of build into your budget. Uh, there, there are going to be people that want the uh, the satisfaction or the enjoyment more immediately, and others that can that can delay that and say that you know like yeah, we want to take a trip, a significant trip, but we know that we need to work towards that. So we'll set that goal for five years from now. And, and that's something that you're looking forward to. In the meantime, you could plan some smaller trips that you yeah. could hopefully work into yeah. the budget. And so that kind of, that, that tides you over. Um, and so you're able to take a weekend trip somewhere nearby that maybe either you can drive to, or it's a, uh, an inexpensive plane ride. Um, you know, it, it, it's those kinds of things. It's, it's still knowing yourself and being able to kind of appease yourself, uh, but not losing sight of those goals. You can have short-term goals and long-term goals, and it's it's just about setting up that plan and figuring out, here's the end. Now let's work backwards. How can we get there? Love it. Yeah, I, great example. You're 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 right on on a. You're right, Josh. Okay, you're right. The uh, <laughs> say it again. Say that again. <laughs> I mean, even even over even over New Year's Eve, uh, my wife and I we're really getting the itch to take a trip because we want to do something that's just the two of us, and we really would like to take a ski trip. Unfortunately, right now with a few things coming up, it's just it's not really in the budget to make it happen. And I think that's a trip that we'd come back and go, God, why did we spend all that money when we didn't have to? But we're also thinking that hey, at this point we could take a smaller trip somewhere within. Uh, you know, the Texas area that's a getaway that we can still have some fun and and feel like there's a trip away without nearly spending as much money. So I, I feel you on that. that. That's a great, great example. I think you would be really, uh, someone would be really unhappy if they always denied themselves of anything in the, sure. in the, 
in the near term. You know, you, you got to find ways to still have still have fun or still have enjoyment um, while while continuing to save for whatever your your long term plans yep. are. Otherwise, you're you're going to get to that long term. that goal and say, well, you know what? I actually have a longer term goal. I'm going to deny myself the enjoyment for that. I'm going to keep saving. And that's great. You know, that then you've kind of developed that patience or that, um, you know, that, that ability to keep saving, but that may end up leading to a a sad life and you don't want that either. So it's just putting it all into perspective. Yeah. It almost sounds to me kind of like what most people would consider like cheat meals almost where you're you're working towards a goal you're working working you're strong during the week whatever and then hey you you have a a meal that is off track or more expensive or whatever than you had normally planned and i guess that could be something kind of similar to that where it gives you some local satisfaction without going down too deep down the rabbit hole i guess yeah it's what my wife and i tell remind ourselves and tell our kids all the time it's all in moderation you know it you know, the enjoyment can be in moderation, but don't lose sight of uh, the long-term things. Don't lose, uh, but, and, and don't overindulge now because then, you know, you're going to, it, it, your long-term plans could suffer. Agreed. So as business owners and we're, we're looking over 2020 and we're moving into 2021, you know, what is, what is something that can help us look back on the year and go, you know, what, what happened, uh, good, bad, and different. What would you just suggest from a very general standpoint? Is it a certain app to put finances together? Is it just, Hey, you know, using an Excel, what, what do you look at to maybe analyze even a, in a brief way from 2020 to get yourself set up for the new year? Sure. Well, if we're specifically talking about 2020, the year from hell, then <laughs> I would say that, uh, your focus needs to be in looking back. If you're, if you've been in business, look back at your costs this year, um, and evaluate yourself. Start with yourself evaluating, and it never hurts to have another party take a look. But look at your costs, and were you as lean as you could be? Because I think if anything, 2020 has taught us is to try and keep, to try and stay lean and keep your costs down as best you can. Because I think that's how some businesses have been able to scrape by um you know we talked about an emergency emergency fund and i think that plays a you know would have played a big part for a lot of people this year uh probably did if those had it and those that didn't probably wish that they had something at least uh to to draw upon um another thing to look at if you're looking at your financials you know how much are you ending up with at the end of the year um you know, some people set themselves up as just a sole proprietorship. And so all the money that they make, you know, they're reporting on their Schedule C on their tax return. Um, and there are some that are uh, set up as S corporations and where they might be paying themselves a wage. And so they're really, I should say, regardless of whether how you're set up, you need to remember that maybe not all of that money that you're making goes to you personally, that there should be some profit left over for the business uh, because you want your business to stand on its own. You want your, hopefully it gets to the point where your business is the one that's covering the expenses. Your business can buy the new assets that you need. It's not you investing more money into the business. You want that business to be self-sustaining at some point. And so uh, this year for sure has taught 
everyone to maybe leave a little money uh, in the bank for the business itself and not pull that in if you can, you know, personally and uh, keep that with the business so that it continues to grow and reinvest in the business. Um, Now, as far as you're saying, like with apps and programs and so forth, from a personal standpoint, you know, there you a lot of the banking apps now have their own kind of budgeting within their within their site, and they've gotten better and better. As uh, I feel like every bank now, especially this year, has been releasing those kinds of features, uh, but they've been getting better and better. Uh, some of the other budgeting apps are Mint, which I know a lot of people use, and there's another one called YNAB, which stands for You Need a Budget. Those are two popular ones. Um, there's another one that I like to use and I like to use it because I'm big on spreadsheets, uh, but it's called Tiller and it works through Google and you're able to link to, um, Google sheets and it links up to your bank accounts and it leaves a lot for customization and allows you to look at, uh, your, all of your bank accounts in like one spreadsheet and kind of see what the big picture is and helps you budget and so forth. And there are a lot of other tools that you can use. I mean, they have, you know, at this time of the year, you can do a Christmas gift list and it helps you budget for that within there. And there, there's debt consolidation and debt planning and payoff uh, spreadsheets that you can help utilize as well. And so that one's a, it's a fun feature. Um, or it, it's a good feature for those that like spreadsheets, but if you're not that person, I wouldn't recommend it. It just, it, it another reoccurring theme is knowing yourself. Yeah. So if you know you're, that you're not big with spreadsheets, don't do that. Uh, if you know that you need help with automation, uh, and as far as like automatically paying bills, automatically drawing money out of your account to go into a savings account that you don't touch, it's setting those kinds of things up, setting yourself up for success, even if it's just a little bit, you know, like I said, uh, it's another, I would say, credo to live by is, and I'm going to probably misquote it, but I thought it was Warren Buffett that said it, but it's, uh, now I got to think about it and make sure that I say it correctly. It's, it's not word for word, but it's not, you should not be saving what's left after spending, you should be spending what's left after saving. You know, you need to focus on saving your money. And after you've hit that goal, what's left is kind of your extra spending money. You know, uh, cover your, cover your needs. And then if you've got you, you know, then you can put money away for saving. And then if there's money at the end, then that's, that's your play money, I would say. Um, and then as far as, uh, programs for businesses, um, you know, I'm a, I'm QuickBooks online certified. Uh, I would I would recommend QuickBooks Online uh, for small businesses. Uh, there is a depends on how um, intricate your business is. I mean, if it's very simple, you can do a QuickBooks Online self-employed version. But then there are other versions that you can go with that will also bring in payroll and uh, other features like that. Uh, but it can make it very simple for you um, okay. if you set it up the right way. So quick question. So I'm somebody that's always used QuickBooks. I've done it since the performance days when I was 1099 and I carry it over now uh, with our, you know, with our situation down here in Dallas. And I've continued to use QuickBooks, whether it's business or personal. Uh, One thing that I find frustrating is that the way that I've done QuickBooks in the past is it's always been a manual entry type scenario because then I can get in and put specifically what it was, you know, label it correctly and do all of those things. But I find that it's extremely time consuming 
as you go on and every few weeks or every week, whatever, I'm updating this stuff. I know that QuickBooks has some automatic links that you can do to bank accounts and stuff like that. You know, do you feel like from a personal standpoint, QuickBooks is still the best to use if I'm going to do that? Or is it good to do something else as you're going into 2021? I like the I like the fact of continuing QuickBooks so that you can see year to year and all that stuff. But I'm sure that could change it up. Just what's your general suggestion on that? Well, uh, I mean, I can't speak too much. I think you're referring more to the QuickBooks desktop. Is yeah, that right? Yeah, Versus yeah, QuickBooks yeah, online. Yeah. yeah, I can't. I don't. I can't speak too much as as much to the QuickBooks desktop version. Um, I mean, I, I feel like QuickBooks is more geared towards the business as than it is towards the personal. Uh, but one other thing to make clear is that uh, if you're if you're starting out a small business, or even if you're not, you know, maybe one of the things if this is a problem for you that you work to correct, especially going into a new year, is do every keep your personal and your business separate, uh, because that's only going to lead to more complications if you're if you're muddying the water with personal and business expenses in the same account. Set up accounts, you know, set up a business account that's separate from a personal account. Set up a business credit card if you can that's not a personal credit card and keep those, keep those separate because whether it's you that's doing your accounting yourself or you're doing your taxes or you've got a professional that's doing those for you, you're going to save yourself time and you're going to save yourself money if you can keep those separate and if it's a professional that's looking those over and they're not having to spend the time differentiating between personal items and business items. That's only going to make things more complicated. Um, as far as QuickBooks Online is concerned, uh, you are correct that, or QuickBooks in general, yes, it can be a manual process, but I can say from a QuickBooks Online uh, perspective, if you have a lot of the same reoccurring transactions, um, you know, you, you pay the same utility bill or you pay the same rent or you pay you know, if, if you've got supplies that are coming in, you're ordering from Amazon and it's always these same supplies that come in. Eventually the, the program will go and recognize that, oh, you've categorized this expense this way previously the last couple of times. Should we set a rule that's going to categorize anytime this expense comes in as supplies? And you can say yes. And there's two ways that you can check it. You can say that, yes, set that rule, but don't review it, automatically review it for me. I'd still like to go back and I'd like to review my transactions and make sure that, yes, the program coded it correctly. Or you can say automatically review and say, okay, yep, this this electric bill came in from uh, this vendor. Uh, QuickBooks categorized it as utilities and it's automatically checking it off as reviewed. It, it met the criteria and you don't even have to look at it. It's, it's categorized and it's done. And so it, it's only as good as how well you essentially train or teach the program. But unless you have a, 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 you know, numerous inconsistent transactions that, you know, for month to month, they're, they're so different. Um, you can, you can certainly train, um, the program to recognize these reoccurring expenses, uh, and categorize them for you. And that way, even maybe on a weekly basis, you're quickly running down the transactions and say, yep, that all looks correct. Maybe you're dropping in some descriptions there to give you further clarity on what that expense was or what those supplies were. Um, but really, it should be where you're, you're not having to spend hours going back through your books and making sure that they're correct. Perfect. All right, we're going to do a quick little blitz through the last few questions here top three mistakes that new business owners make financially 
Uh, I would say losing sight of their cash flow, um, where their money's going. You know, I've I've had clients that uh, newer in business and they they spend and they're not really realizing. Yeah, there might be some money in the bank account, but you're you're not monitoring your cash flow, and it'll get to the point where when the money comes in versus when the money comes out does not match up and you're going to set yourself up for problems where, um, you know, which would lead me into my second point of, as far as like incurring credit card debt, um, uh, unnecessary credit card debt, I would say, um, if you're making large or unnecessary purchases, you know, being more mindful of how you're spending your money. Um, and one of the other things I did touch on, like I said, was not separating your personal and business, um, expenses. Uh, the, the, so the third then would be not having any kind of budget or plan. So the three are losing sight of your cash flow, um, making large unnecessary purchases, and not having a budget. Uh, without that budget, um, you have no plan. You have no nothing to go by. You know, we talked earlier. You're just you're flying by the seat of your pants, and I think that's just a recipe for um, for failure for for failure. I guess. Yeah. I mean, it sounds it sounds bad, but I mean, that's really what it is with a small business. You succeed or you fail. And so, uh, and it can be a very fine line. Yep. And as we talk a lot on this podcast, it is very, very much, there's a lot of focus around the first five years in practice. And you want to set yourself up to win uh, within those first couple of years and after those five years, because the better that you do up front, the more success you're going to have down the road. Yeah, there may be time to clean it up, but it's not as fun. We'll put it that way. So what would you say is one of the biggest overall mistakes that families make financially? Um, the, probably the biggest one. Um, hmm. I, I, I've got a few. I would say no emergency fund, um, not saving for retirement, and only one spouse handles the, the expenses or the finances in the family. Um, because let's face it, uh, you know, I, I'm happily married, um, but there are people that certainly go into marriages and hope for the best and it may not turn out that way. And it, you know, if it ends in divorce or if there's an unexpected death and you've got one person that's been handling the expenses all along, uh, you're that the, the other person could be, you know, left guessing when, when that time comes, they don't know they're, they're essentially crippled by the, the finances because they haven't had to deal with it for those years. Um, so you're really doing a disservice. And honestly, um, it may not be fun, but it, it's, good, it's good open communication to have those talks between uh, significant others about the finances. It's good to have everyone clued in and on the same page. Perfect. Now, I have written down, what are three areas of focus to help people win financially? Do you feel like that is basically the same as, as the mistakes or did you have something different in mind for areas of focus? I will, I mean, I can expound upon them, but I would say there are three words, three things to focus on communication, planning, and investing. Communicate with others, commun- you know, communicate with yourself first, make sure that you know who you are, communicate with your significant others and communicate with your clients or colleagues. Plan, plan, you know, personally, plan for your business, set goals, uh, and then invest, invest in yourself, invest uh, in your business, 
and invest in your future. Uh, and so it's not the literal, you know, yeah, put money in the stock market. That's that, sure. That's part of it. That's part of the investing. But uh, it's investing your time, your talents and your money. It's perfect. All right. So if people are wanting to work with you or want to get to know more information, obviously you do things like you put on information online, you send out email newsletters if people want to be a part of it so they can follow your pages and things like that. But if somebody wants to sit down and have a conversation with Josh, um, you know, how are you doing that now? Is it Zoom calls? Is it a phone call? What does that process look like? Sure. I mean, in the current environment, we're not doing uh, true sit down face to face. But uh, honestly, I'm, I'm very flexible. Um, you know, our, our business is called Apto Advisory for a reason. Apto is Latin for adapt. And so uh, if a Zoom call or team, Microsoft Teams call, uh, a virtual call works for you, a phone call, uh, email, um, we're, we're, I'm very flexible. And so uh, reaching out, you know, I'm, I'm based out of St. Louis, but I help uh, clients around the country. I've also got a couple international clients as well. So um, it is very possible in today's day and age that we can uh, communicate with one another effectively and efficiently. Um, you can find me uh, I do have uh, a page on Facebook. You can find me online at aptoadvisory.com. Uh, you can reach me by phone, um, 314-628-0650. Uh, you can text me at that number. My email is jgaber, G-A-B-O-R, at aptoadvisory.com. Uh, I've got a number of different ways to reach me. And if you can't reach me those way, that you know any of those ways, reach out to... Uh, to Dr. Matt, and I'm sure he can put me, you in touch with me as well. Yeah, absolutely. We've been uh, Josh and I have been chatting a little bit because I know that the financial side is is so important. I've seen it for myself. I've seen it for others. You know, we're wanting to put something together to help you guys out, especially you new students coming out. So Josh and I are gonna gonna chat a little bit offline about something that could uh, benefit you guys. You know, utilize throwing out the first five podcasts, Dr. Pennell, whatever, uh, from a relationship standpoint and uh, get you guys some help there. Is there a standard like, you know, hey, with every new client or whatever that you do, a 15-minute phone call to just get a little bit under better understanding of what's going on just so that people understand that process? Yeah, I always will start with, you know, a, like a 30-minute conversation for free where, uh, you know, figuring out what a person's needs are are they personal are they business um, you know is it more of a personal finance coaching kind of thing or is it just strictly taxes or um, so on and so forth but I mean figuring out what the needs are because uh, if we can't establish those from the beginning then we're just setting ourselves up for um, challenges down the road for sure perfect love it so guys take advantage of that if you have questions for Josh set up a time to give him a call and bounce some ideas off of him uh, you know, there are a lot of things that, that we've experienced on the first five and that I've personally experienced growing through practice. But, you know, lean on the professional. Lean on Josh in these situations and, and just see what he has to say. So highly, highly recommend Josh at Apto Advisory. Thank you so much for coming on to the show, too. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You No doubt. We'll have to do a little check-in. Um, we'll figure out because I'd like to dive into a little bit more of the S-Corp, C-Corp, and how you set up business and things like that, too. Well, guys, we'll set up a little shorter podcast, some some financial check-ins, definitely once a quarter at least, to make sure that we uh, keep everybody on the right track. So thank you very much, Josh. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks, Matt. You do the same. 
Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into the newest episode of the First Five podcast. You can find us online at the First Five. Uh, we are on Apple iTunes. We're on Spotify. Definitely check out Josh. And uh, if you have any questions for us, please feel free to reach out. I think either one of us were as available as possible. So enjoy the rest of your day. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>